Welcome back to the uh, the Airspace Executive Podcast. I am I'm really happy to have Jenny Showalter uh, on with me. Jenny comes from a long uh, a long legacy of business aviation professionals, and uh, she's here doing some uh, career coaching now and working on uh, some leadership issues with uh, OEMs, MROs, flight departments, and a whole host of people in the uh, the industry. And uh, I'm, I'm I'm happy to have you, Jenny. Right, things in Orlando. So Oh, everything's great in Orlando. We got our first little hint of fall this week, so just a just a little bit a little bit cooler in the mornings. It's going to go away. It all is well here. Thank you. We were like a hundred degrees here yesterday. It's like wow. It's, I'm ready. I'm ready for fall. You know, summer came by, came and went, but I'm ready for fall. I'm sure. Yeah, I think everybody is in that same boat. So, but uh, but yes, everything is great here. Thank you and. Uh, Yes, as you said, I have a a long um, aviation legacy in my family. I'm third generation business aviation professional. My uh, family had an FBO. I was third generation working in the FBO, Showalter Flying Service at the Orlando Executive Airport. We had it for 70 years in our family and sold it um, about almost nine years ago. So it's, it's it's been a little while. And then uh, I I chose, as did my brother, um, to stay involved in business aviation. It's just sort of part of who we are, Craig. And and I think that um, I'm very grateful for the legacy that was was gifted to me and that was really cared for well. And and I hope to continue it. Yeah. So so 70 years, and then 70 years, and then you guys moved. Who I, I remember you selling. Who who was the buyer? Yeah, it was Atlantic Aviation that okay. that purchased it at, at ORL. And I joke, uh, you know, when my parents sold the business, I was 40 and a single mom with young kids. And I, I was like, you know, well, geez, now now what? I'm I midlife and and out of a job, thanks to mom and dad. <laughs> and yeah. but uh but obviously um, you know, opportunity presented itself to stay, stay within business aviation. So you're, uh, yeah. So now you've moved into more of the, yeah. You're the, uh, yeah. You're, you're helping up and coming professionals that's, guide that's, their career. Yes, absolutely. So um, I did spend about five years in business aviation recruiting, recruiting for Part ninety one flight departments. And when that opportunity ended, uh, my husband, who's a, a Global Express captain. And I sat down and tried to figure out what we wanted for our next phase of life. And uh, I really had have always held a deep passion for the people in this industry, whether it was meeting them on the ramp at the FBO or, or helping them find new opportunity when I was recruiting. And um, I decided to find a way to pair my passion for aviation with helping those individuals by by launching a career coaching business, Show Walter Business Aviation Career Coaching. And I launched it in uh, March of 2022. And uh, I really help anybody who is aspiring or current business aviation professional uh, with one-on-one coaching, resume writing, LinkedIn reviews, and, and interview prep. Lots, uh, there's lots going on in business aviation. Lots of opportunities. Lots of challenges right now. Uh, there's a lot of movement in the industry right now. It's uh, you, you, you can't blink too quickly mm-hmm. because you might miss something. And um, I think. Uh, you know, workforce is always uh, a very hot topic, and and rightfully so. Uh, we are we are short staffed everywhere, um, whether it be pilot maintenance. And I always say we have an aviation talent shortage. We focus mm-hmm. on the flight department roles, uh, but it's not just within flight departments. It's it's all throughout the industry. I think one of the things that I'm seeing in particular are good people 
who have good jobs, who are looking for new opportunities. And I've identified that a lot of the reason that this is happening is because of leadership or sometimes lack thereof. Mm -hmm. So I actually, um, a couple of weeks ago, um, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn and I shared something, wasn't my own. I shared it and it said, never push a loyal person to the point where they don't care anymore. And mm-hmm. it got quite a lot of, of traction uh, in terms of, you know, likes and, and such on um, on LinkedIn. And I've had a couple of people actually reach out to me after the fact and reading that and said, you know, that really resonates with me, but I'm even afraid to hit the like button on it because I don't mm-hmm. want to tip off my my boss that I might not be happy where I am. And I think people crave stability in their careers. Nobody likes to move. Nobody likes to change jobs. That's mm-hmm. not fun for anyone. But what I'm seeing is leaders who are not really good with self-awareness and they're not really They perceive themselves in one way and assume that others perceive Mm -hmm. them in that same way, but it's not really happening. And there are a lot of teams that are struggling out there with morale. There are teams that are struggling with feeling like a team. I mean, even not having team meetings, believe it or not, flight department Mm -hmm. meetings. Um, And then you have to wonder beyond that, if they're not meeting as a team for, you know, just regular things, how is their SMS? What is happening Mm -hmm. after they do flights? But bringing it back to the lack of leadership, um, good people are looking for a new opportunity because they want strong leaders. Yeah. Well, you know, I I look at it. It's interesting. Um, I've had this very same conversation. The the worst position in the world right now to recruit for is a director of operations for a part 135. And I'll tell you why. It's because a director of operations at a good part 135 is about a, a, you know, pick a number, 250. 250,000 bucks, give or take. You got to meet the specs. You got to meet the F, you got to meet the the, the 119 specs. And I got a lot of pilots out there who meet the specs and they're going, uh uh. I go, I can make just as much money flying a jet. I don't have to lead people. I don't have to deal with people. And I'm very happy that way. And there's problem number one. There's issue number one right there. That is that is a big issue. And the 135 world is a completely different beast unto itself. Mm-hmm. So that that is very hard. And I've had people reach out to me looking for mm-hmm. those types of roles. Um, did I know anyone who might be a fit? Mm-hmm. And and I really don't. It's a very slim pool that you're pulling from. But the but the issue becomes you got a lot of leaders who don't want to lead. I'm a leader, but don't ask me to lead because it's too much of a headache. It's it's a real thing, and uh, some of the stories that I hear, um, and and mind you, I mean, I'm hearing it from somebody who's who's been pushed to a point where they're finally having to come out and say, I'm not happy, and this is why, and and a good portion of it, not all of it, it's never all one thing, but a portion of it is because of of my leader. But um, uh, you know, again, the number of leaders that are out there that aren't willing to go to bat for their people. Uh, because we have to be willing to go to bat for our people all the time. Mm-hmm. And and I know there are a lot of leaders out there who do go to bat for their people, but don't get a lot of movement or traction within the mm-hmm. company. But you have to communicate that to your people. I'm trying, you know, let me let me have more time. Let me keep working on this, that communication in that way. But your people have to make sure that they, you have to make sure your people know that you are working on their behalf, that you have their best interest at heart, that you care about the team, you care about them as individuals. And that's hard for some people 
to, mm-hmm. to effectively do in this world. Yep. I look, I see it across. It's interesting because the, the one of the big challenges I see in business aviation, and I'll talk to it from not just business aviation, but across aviation in general, but I'll talk to it from a couple of different levels. I was an aviator. And some of the you know, the most self unaware leaders are aviators. Yeah, you know, the 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 old you know what's the difference between a jet engine and a pilot? You know, there's some truth to that. And I appreciate that the pilots all you know they're they're very you know black or white. It's safe or unsafe. But some emotional intelligence needs to come in there. And just because a flight department just because it's a flight department doesn't mean that a pilot needs to be running it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I've always said, and, and mind you, I grew up with a dad who was a pilot, a, a mm-hmm. grandfather, two, both my grandfathers. I didn't know one of them, but both of mm-hmm. them were pilots. My dad's a pilot. My brother's a pilot, married to a pilot. And I've always said, there's no checklist for life. You know, mm-hmm. you have a checklist as a pilot to, to make sure that everything's going, going well and in order. And there's no checklist for life when you get beyond the cockpit. And I think a lot of pilots um, that become directors of aviation in these flight departments uh, do need a little bit of help with that emotional intelligence piece. And some, like I said, some are some are fantastic. Some they're wonderful leaders in this industry, but we have some that that also need some work. And so I I think you know we we blame compensation, we blame quality of life for people leaving this industry or people making moves within the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are, those are valid. Those are very valid things. Um, compensation quality of life are, are at the very top of, of almost everyone's list, but that, um, that culture piece, that teamwork piece that we all want to, we all want to follow somebody who's a strong leader and we all want to feel valued when we go to work every day, I think those are the things that that sometimes get discounted. Yeah, no, but you see it down all the way down to the uh, yeah. One of the challenges challenges the industry's having is yeah. You think about it, even at the FBO level, um, hangar rush, and yeah, I was at a conference. I think I spoke I spoke at NADA last year, and everybody was talking about hangar rush. And the, oh. the question becomes, yeah, the turnover of you know the FBO, you know, just your line folks at the FBO. There, you know, there's a constant need to train. So you're going, all right, how do we stop this? How do we show these, you know, how do we show the line folks and the, the you know, the AMPs and the people that are moving very expensive airplanes around that hey, look, this is a serious, you know, this is this is a serious job. I well, mean, see, now you're uh, now you're talking yeah. to my roots here yeah. in aviation yeah. because right. with with all that time. 20 plus years at the FBO, um, you know, it it takes time to develop a, a safe and effective line service technician. Mm-hmm. It just does. People can't learn this industry overnight, nor can they tow a 65 or $75 million jet effectively right. and safely overnight. And uh, mm-hmm. yes, the FBOs are dealing with um, turnover, just like um, every other business out there, it seems. And they're also dealing with um, compensation in that area has historically been, you know, hourly for Mm -hmm. most line service technicians. And um, it's, it's been, um, you know, when, when we sold our business, probably one of our most senior line service technicians was making in the, in the range of $15 an hour. Mm -hmm. And now, if you look at $15 an hour, you can go to McDonald's and make $15 an hour. And compensation has come up. It's had to come up. 
in that realm. But um, but the competition in that salary range is really high. And people are like, well, why do I want to go work outside in the heat or in the cold, <laughs> in the mm-hmm. snow? And do this job, and and we relied so for so long as an industry on the fact that we're cool, mm-hmm. like we have a major cool factor. I move airplanes all around. I can fuel any kind of airplane that comes onto my ramp, you know. And the cool factor isn't mm-hmm. enough to sell it these days. Yeah, no, it's not. And and oh. you know, you know, cool doesn't pay rent. No, <laughs> but, but once again, you know, like, you know, it's, we were talking about all the challenges in the industry. Insurance rates are going up. Well, why are insurance rates going up? Well, because a lot of hangar rash, a lot of claims. You're like, all right, well, you know, you know, you think about, you know, just, just all these issues that comes to the people, you know, the, you know your people issues resonate in, in areas where you never really think that they're going to resonate. And it all comes down to, okay, how do we, as a company, as an industry, get our arms around and start to develop the right people who yeah. are going to lead. Who are going to lead the businesses? Who are going to lead? And I think um, that's one thing. When I was in the recruiting space, I, I certainly noticed that there was a lot of recycling that went on in some of the leadership in corporate flight departments. Um, you would have a lot of, you know, if 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 somebody was going to take a job as a director in this flight department, they were usually coming with that experience from someplace else. And I noticed that there weren't a lot of younger, you know, fresh blood leaders coming into the into the industry and wanting to position themselves for that in the future. And so that's been something that I've I've really been passionate about is encouraging people. If I see somebody who's in their 30s or 40s and has a cam and has has done some extra things, um, has a has maybe a, a passion outside of flying, whether it be safety or training or whatever it may be, and and you know, kind of say, hey, have you ever thought about? being a leader? Would you want to be a chief pilot? Would you want to be a director of aviation? What does your future look like? Because I see things in you mm-hmm. wanting to do extra, wanting to educate yourself, interested in mm-hmm. professional development that could could transition to that later mm-hmm. in life. And so some people that aren't even thinking, they're just like, well, I'm just doing my thing. I'm not like really positioning myself. You kind of have to plant that seed yep. so that they they can start to more strategically look at positioning themselves for future. Yeah. No, it's interesting. I, I, I placed a chief pilot director of aviation for a Fortune 100 company a couple months ago. And the the person that, that got the role was in a final interview with his boss, who would be boss. And the first question she asked was, how do we develop? I want, I want, how how are we going to develop leadership amongst the pilots? And he was like, sort of taken aback. Nobody had ever asked him that question. After about 10 minutes, she finally said, look, I'll just cut to the chase. I want every pilot to come off the line for a week and go through leadership training, you know, formal leadership training. Wow. Wow. There's a novel approach, right? Yeah, that's amazing. And and I think that that is another area where we lose sight of, you know, allowing somebody to do professional development, whether you say, you know, this is the professional development you're going to do, or here's some resources for you to choose the professional development path that you're going to go on. That goes a long way. I mean, that that really, I look at that as part of compensation 
because they're investing in you and that money that they're investing in you, it goes with you. If mm-hmm. you don't work there any longer, that money goes with you because you take that training wherever you go. Hopefully you stay and you invest that training into the current flight department. So they kind of take a risk at some in, in some ways when they do that with you. But I, I think that is definitely an area that I, I am told quite frequently, you know, they don't give me any opportunity to better myself. Mm-hmm. And there are ways that people do it on their own. I, I always like to see people when they invest their own resources in these things. But then I, you know, it, you see, and I'm sure you do too, um, there are those flight departments that this is a high priority and their people have um, ample professional development opportunities, can't mm-hmm. even take as many as that are offered. And then there are some with none. And yep. it's bridging that gap. Um, and, and you know, I think the mentality oftentimes is, oh, well, they're just pilots or, oh, well, they're just, you know. <laughs> you just hit the nail right on the head. And and going back to, going back, uh, you know, a year ago conversation, you know, look, we're, you know, we're in a quote unquote pilot shortage right now. You know, how, how much of that pilot shortage is real remains to be seen. And I think, you know, some, you know, events with wheels up, or I think some of the other things may, will are going to start to take some pressure off, but they're just pilots to me, you know, conversation I said was, look, there's six reasons people will change jobs, challenge, location, ability to move up the food chain, money, people they work with and security. I said, you know, look, a couple of the things in the pilot ranks that they want which will eliminate the you worry about you, I'll worry about me divide is security because corporate pilots, they're, they're, they're always is the risk of the jet just going away. Sure. They're, and, and we've all seen it a million times, it feels like. But, um, but you know, I would say that that's like that in, in, in any sector of aviation, though. I mean, we've all lived through times that were, very volatile and and the industry as a whole suffered or sometimes you know the airlines did a little worse and business aviation did a little better or vice versa so you know we live in a very volatile space and you know security i i do outplacement um i've done outplacement i i did it during the pandemic um and have done it a little bit since and uh you know a lot of these people never saw it coming they never mm-hmm. saw it coming. And and you can think you're in a very secure environment and the next day be on a virtual meeting and um, you know, be told, thank you for your service. Mm-hmm. We're done. And yep. and that's not a good feeling. You know, those people mm-hmm. that I've worked with in outplacement, um, especially in times where we were in the middle of a pandemic and, and everything was very uncertain, mm-hmm. that's a really bad feeling. So um, I think we all do as much as we can to feel secure in our mm-hmm. in our roles and our positions, but at the end of the day, things happen. Well, yeah, there's no guarantee in life, but I think no. as an industry, uh, the opportunity the industry has is to create. Uh, you know, I, I don't know exactly know how it's done, but you know, you think about MBAA or the regional, you know, the regional associations or the you know the the, the jet pilot associations, etc. Somebody needs to create, you know, if you want leadership and you want elevating professionalism and you want to know that the folks who are flying your airplane are really good versus just people you're getting off the street. I think there's got to be some sort of, I don't know how you do it, but maybe there's some sort of protection because ultimately what I've, I speak to is that, you know, I saw, you saw 9-11, I did too. Yep. 
Then we saw the Great Recession. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Then COVID comes along. And, you know, after 9-11 and the Great Recession, it becomes very hard for somebody to say, gee, aviation is a great career path. You know, and they encourage their kids to go into it. Yeah, you know, what do they get? They go work for Microsoft or Google, right? That's uh, or go be a doctor. We have two sons, and uh, one of them is, I would say, well, I would say both of them have shown a little interest in it. And our oldest son has his drone pilot's license, but we, you know, we hesitate somewhat. It, the cost of training, the cost of getting to a place where you are marketable within this industry is mm-hmm. is significant, and and then you join a volatile industry. So I think our big thing is to make sure that if if either one of our boys decide to make a career out of aviation, that they are 100% committed and that they love what they do. Because I think those people in this industry that, that can say that, my passion is aviation. I love what I do. Um, I think we're the ones that, you know, will do anything to to make sure that our, our careers in the future in this industry um, are as healthy as possible. Mm-hmm. What do you so? Where, where where do you think we need to go? Is I mean, you're 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 seeing it from the front lines, and I know you you and Chris Burrowhill are doing some stuff together. And yeah, Chris is Chris is phenomenal. Um, oh, he's he's so. fantastic. Yeah, what he does is is truly um, an amazing service for the industry because um, you know if you don't have he he's all about data. I am not a data person. <laughs> that is not my realm. But because of what he does for the industry and and focusing on the data, uh, you know, I think um, as an individual, you can't you're, you're stabbing at the dark or you're going by hearsay as to what proper compensation should look like for whatever role that you're in. And so the fact that he provides you with that uh, data specifically for the role and where you are, um, it, it is incredible. It's an incredible service. And I think one of the things that that makes Chris and and like a business like mine um, really interesting is that we don't work for anybody else. We work for the individual. I mean, yes, Chris does com- you know analysis for companies, but I mean, we we don't have a another dog in the fight. We're here mm-hmm. for you, and and we're here to to help you grow, and we're here to help the industry thrive. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I've I've said for a long time, I don't think there's a blanket solution for the workforce shortage that we have in this industry. I don't think that there's a a magic bullet that we're going to be able to have that's going to fix everything. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a multi-pronged approach. Um, And and I know a lot of groups who are working on, you know, very innovative ideas and solutions to, to the issue. But at the end of the day, we have to get more young people involved in what we do. And, you know, I'm part of the Central Florida Business Aviation Association here in in Central Florida. And mm-hmm. we decided um, we've only been around for four years. David Keyes, uh, you may know him. Uh, he's mm-hmm. our president. Uh, my husband is our vice president. I'm the secretary. We're three of the founders of the association. And we decided that our main focus is workforce. That's what that's what our reason for being is, is is developing workforce. We're in Central Florida where Embry-Riddle is and Florida Tech and a lot of high schools in the area have aviation components um, through the Gates Foundation at Embry-Riddle. And so we do a once annual business aviation day at Daytona Beach Airport. 
and invite students that are in high school and college. And we have aircraft on display where they can come and touch and feel the airplanes. We have industry speakers that are trying to get them excited about the industry and what we do. And uh, we have people that come and set up booths and actually are looking for interns and to, to hire folks. And we have had people hired from our events. We've only had two. Our third will be coming up in March. And uh, it's it's a wonderful time for them to be able to see and feel and experience it. And mind you, these are all aviation track students, whether it be mm-hmm. high school or, or college. They have all expressed an interest in aviation and want to create their, their future career in aviation in some facet. And for the majority of the people that come, they have never had a business aviation um, experience before. So that that is one of the keys there is how do we get to those people? I mean, we talk about, um, you know, trying to engage people that have have never touched aviation. And that's great. But what about these people that are Mm -hmm. involved in aviation do want to make that their future and don't know about us? That's a problem. The, I, you know, my my sense is it, it's in all hands. Like I know Gulfstream is working with Savannah Tech, and I know you know most of the OEMs are doing some stuff with community colleges and things like that. Yeah. I'm not sure the message is getting out though. I mean, and, you know, in fact, the the positive message, it, it probably you know it, jumping up and down and screaming, you know, this is this is a good job. This is a good career. This is a good industry that provides a lot of jobs high paying job. You know, you could talk yeah. about a you could talk about an FBO, but let's go talk about AMP mechanics sure. who are now, you know, do, doing very well for themselves or pilots who are doing very well for themselves. When you think about the number of jobs and the the number of economic benefits the industry has, I think there needs to be an all-in approach starting at the OEMs and going every, down to every FBO and Absolutely. Then, oh, I, I completely agree. And I, and again, I, I, I don't know how we corral everybody and get that same message out there. But um, I'll tell you two things. One thing is every time I speak to a group, I try to end it with, if you love this industry the way that I do, spread the word, pass it along, talk mm-hmm. to your neighbors, <laughs> you know, your friends, children, uh, your children's friends, whatever it may be, um, spread the word on this industry because it's it's pretty darn fantastic. And and another thing that I recognize too is, you know, as I'm working with a client, say on a resume rewrite, and maybe we're doing a cover letter to go along with it. Um, I like to start a cover letter with a little bit of a hook, a little bit of a story of why you do what you do. What mm-hmm. what is your why? Why are you in this industry? And it's amazing, especially in the pilot and maintenance realm, I would say, how many of them say, I remember going to the airport with my dad when I was a kid, or Mm -hmm. I remember the first time my neighbor took me flying, or I remember living close to an airport and looking up and seeing planes. But these encounters with aviation started Mm -hmm. pretty young for these people. And that spark of passion started at an early age. So um, I know there are people out there that say once they get to high school and college, we've waited too long. We have to start somewhere. Yeah. And, but once you're in the industry too, you know, we started out talking about, you know, sort of leadership development. And I think that, you know, not choosing to do nothing is a choice in itself and it's just as dangerous. Yeah. So when you think about people who say, Hey, I'm just happy being an individual contributor and I'll show up for my day job and I'll just do what, you know, that's a choice you've made that 
is just as dangerous as saying, hey, I'm going to take a little risk and put myself out there. It's true. I do find that I do find that, you know, we are the industry of more like people, people want to do more in general. I mean, there are always Mm -hmm. going to be some that are just they're just here to collect the paycheck and go home. Mm -hmm. But I find in my dealings with people uh, that most most of us want that extra. And that's why we're here. So I, I think that's a I think that's a big component. And and then that takes you kind of back to leadership. I mean, if you have a team of people who want that extra, who want that more, want to do more, want to learn more, want to be more, find mm-hmm. ways to to enable them to do that. Yeah. I mean, the airlines provide a good good union job. If you just want a union job, yes. you know, Southwest is hiring right now. Absolutely. And, you know, you know that, that's it. If you want a place where you can go make a difference. I mean, I, I think about running a, you know, being an aviation director at a Part Ninety One. I mean, that's a business. You know, it's a, it's a small it's a small business. I mean, Absolutely. You know, it's hiring you're hiring people, you're taking care of jets, you're budgeting, you know, maintenance, you're you're talking about expenditures. You know, it's 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 a very challenging role. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're the one speaking directly to the leaders within the organization too, yeah. which, you know, requires a certain skill set. Yeah. Um, so, so absolutely. It's a very challenging position. And and I've seen um, lots of director roles and they're all structured somewhat differently. Some, you know, you have to have that financial background and acumen, um, you know, some it's, you know, lead, just lead our people and yeah. keep us safe. Um, it, it kind of runs the gamut, but, uh, but yes, I mean, it's, it's I, again, I mean, I think it just all comes back to back to leadership. Um, but, but it's not easy for the leaders. I will definitely acknowledge that. It's not easy, but if, it, no. if you know, no, nothing, nothing worth doing is easy. I mean, that's, that's the, right. You know, that's the, <laughs> That's right. You're, yeah, that's you're absolutely thing. right. Yeah, that's yeah. a little thing. But but you know, it's it's funny because everybody talks to me. Hey, we need leaders. I say, all right. It, it's funny. I'm, I'm you know I'm working with somebody, and they need some leaders. I'm like, all right. We here's some people you should sit down and talk to. What's your calendar look like? Crickets. Well, I'm in the car for the next forty five minutes. That doesn't work. No, that doesn't work. Yeah, you need to practice. You know, it's it's like anything in the world. If you want to develop leaders, it's a concentrated effort to sit down and focus and have intelligent conversations with people who are trying to help you. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and I think some of the most effective flight departments are those that really view their uh director of of ops in the in the flight department. Um, whatever the title may be for that particular role, as the expert in aviation. They are the expert in their field. They are the ones that are tied into what the industry is, is what's happening in the industry. And and they have uh they have the finger on the pulse of best practices and trends. Um, you know, one of the things that we're really struggling with is training and lack thereof. And I can remember just before the pandemic when we had really moved to the place for for the most part where people are like we just want the right fit. We're hiring mm-hmm. for the right fit. We'll train, we'll type. You don't see that so much anymore because you can't train, you can't type because you don't get a training slot. So, um I think I think that the directors that are really able to be put in that subject matter mm-hmm. expert position and that are able to go to their department and say we're short staffed 
we can't get a training slot for six months. We need to be actively looking for somebody and we need to be prepared to keep that somebody on mm-hmm. staff even before they get trained because we we need to show our team that we're committed. And unfortunately, this is what the industry is is providing us with right now. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's, yeah, that's the, you know, going back to the Fortune 100, 500 flight department, you think about a flight, you know, look, the challenges a flight department leader has, egos, I mean, <laughs> you, you know, come on, uh, go to Wall Street, try to run a, try to run a flight department for some of these Wall Street guys, the hedge funds guys. Yeah, you're talking about egos that, that show up 10, 10 minutes before the body does. <laughs> Entrepreneurs who are go, 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 go. They're constantly thinking. You talk about the people you want, you know, let's just say skills are a given. A type rated global 5,000 pilot is typed safe, ready to go. But now you're, you know, but now you're talking about balance and culture. And, you know, all right, my flight department leader needs to have the ability to say no to some very challenging customers. And that's, you know, that's not an easy, that's not an easy fit. No, it's definitely not. And and that difference between, uh, you know, flying for a corporation versus flying for a high net worth individual mm-hmm. or family, um, they're both very nuanced in their own ways and and both can be wonderful and both can be challenging. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And and we've seen it all. And I know you've, you've been in the industry long enough and you've heard, <laughs> heard a lot. Oh, of you you, you hear that. the stories, but you talk about, <laughs> you hear the stories and it talks about, yeah, I just, I just bring that up because it's, yeah. it's like, it's not an easy job. It's not and, an easy and, job. And that's why the leadership needs to be developed because it's just not, you know, people are like, well, it's it's an easy job. Well, no, it's really not. And, oh, and, no, it's, it's highly nuanced, highly you nuanced. Know. And, you know, the, these leaders, you know, they, they do get the pressures from above. They get the pressures from below. They also now have to be kind of part shrink uh, with, mm-hmm. with their employees. But I, but I will say one of the things that I always encourage too is for leaders to prioritize conversations with their team. And I understand you may have a chief pilot in some of the larger organizations that works under a director and, and you know, they're the ones that really do a lot of the day-to-day hands-on with the team. That's fine. But as a leader, you need to prioritize that time with your team because you need to know what's going on with them to a degree so that mm-hmm. you're not blindsided which is happening a lot um, by people leaving. Um, you you want to you want to have some inkling that this person isn't one hundred percent happy, and why right. aren't they? And if, is there anything I can do about it? Yeah. And sometimes the answer is no. Yeah. Sometimes people are just unrealistic um, and just unhappy. So that that's certainly a possibility. Yeah. But if there's something you can do, you need to know about it in advance so you have time to fix it before it becomes, you know, a, a greater problem for your team when they well, leave. Well, when a leader shows up and says, I just had a couple of people quit and I had no idea. Yeah. Well, the first question is, why didn't you have any idea? Why didn't you know? Why didn't, why you, didn't know? you know? Why didn't yeah. you know? It's yeah. not like and I think I think that um a lot of leaders don't come across as accessible to their teams. And, you know, prioritize that time. I mean, if you spent 30 minutes with mm-hmm. the, you know, the people on your team, um, you know, every every few months, even you're going to be getting a lot of information from that. I mean, I always look at it as is kind of a fact finding opportunity. 
And, mm-hmm. and I love the the chance to sit down with somebody one-on-one and really find out what's going on with them, what makes them tick. And the, I think that the benefits that of spending that time with them, um, not only to find out, you know, where they are, but that it's, it's kind of a good grace of, wow, mm-hmm. my leader took the time. I know how busy they are. I know how many b- demands they have on their schedule, but still took the time to meet with me. Absolutely. It's all about communication. How do, uh, how do people get a hold of you, Jenny? Uh, they can reach me through my website, showwalter.com. My email address is jshowalter at showwalter.com. And I'm active on LinkedIn, Jenny Showalter, and they're welcome to come there and follow and, and connect. We'll put all that in the show notes too. Thanks for coming on today. Great conversation. Thank you so much, Craig. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, Jenny, thank you very kindly. Talk soon. I hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Aerospace Executive Podcast. You can reach out to me directly, Craig at NorthStarESG.com, or check us out at www.NorthStarESG.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or on YouTube. Just do a search for Aerospace Executive Podcast. Thanks again. I'm Craig Pippen.